Welcome to Win Win, a podcast from the Department of Sport and Exercise Science at the Waterford Institute of Technology. I'm your host, Bruce Wardrop, and in each episode I chat with someone who works behind the scenes in sport, helping athletes maximise their performance potential. If my guest is winning, hopefully their athletes are winning too. Today I'm catching up with Neve Tallon, founder of HerSport.ie. Neve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a million for taking the time to speak with me today. No problem. Thanks for having me on. So I usually start by asking my guests what it is they do. But I think with you, Neve, today I might start by asking you what HerSport.ie is. Can you tell us a little bit about the platform? Yeah, so HerSport is a digital platform. I, we have a, a website and we're across all the social media channels as well. So we cover all things women's sport from grassroots to elite level. Uh, trying to give you know as much coverage as possible. There's a significant um, disparity in the coverage of of women's sport. Um, just six percent of media coverage in Ireland sports media coverage goes to women's sport. So that's a gap that we're trying to change. Um, and then also cover lots of different topics surrounding women's sport and um, some things that aren't really talked about. So there's a couple of different taboo topics. Um, you know, like the menstrual cycle, uh, body image, nutrition. Like we're trying to open up those conversations. Um, you know, for for everybody, but particularly for, you know, people that are at risk of, of dropping out of sport. So, um, you know, twice as many girls drop out of sport by the age of 14 as, uh, as boys. So, you know, trying to, you know, target some of those age groups and, and keep them involved in sport. Um, so just trying to open the conversation, you know. Well, you've given yourself a very broad remit there. Uh, you're certainly covering <laughs> a lot of ground with the work that you do. I'm hopeful that we'll get back to touch off many of those mm-hmm. things during the course of the episode. But just uh, to continue, can you tell us about the inception? What prompted you to start HerSport.ie in the first place? Um, to be honest, I was doing a master's in digital marketing and I've always been involved in sport and I don't know, it just kind of came into my head one day. I was like looking at it and um, wondering kind of why do so many girls drop out of sport? What are some of the barriers? Um, I guess from my background in marketing, I was wondering was was some of it down to the marketing and how we present, um, you know, athletes and, you know, um, with different shops that might be advertising, you know, products like health and fitness products, what kind of people are they using? Um and I just looked at all these different things, like was it down to some of these, you know, the taboo topics that I've mentioned um, and then down to funding and sponsorship and that type of thing. So there was just loads of different uh, reasons that you could kind of come up with. And I just wanted to explore it. So I'd actually looked at doing a PhD. And um, to be honest, the PhD was a little bit slow for me um, because like by the time like it, it was doing research, but by the time I was going to actually be able to do something that might make a difference, it was kind of going to be year three. And I was like, well, why don't I just start writing about it and, and see if that makes a change? And, um, you know, nobody's given the media coverage or, you know, given the right amount of media coverage. So I uh, just started, you know, I, I had the background from digital marketing to create a website, to start writing the content um, and to create all the social channels and just build it from there. So I'm um, fortunate to have that, that skill set. And um, yeah, that's kind of where it got started. Um, not to put a PhD off down the line, um, but I just wanted to make a change sooner rather than later, you know. Oh man, yeah, well, I can certainly vouch for the fact that a PhD can certainly rumble on. I won't go into details, but my own has been dragging on for quite a while now. (laughs) Uh, So it sounds like you are being far more productive with the work that you are doing at the moment than with my postgrad work. And I guess you can always revisit the postgrad work at some point in the future. Uh, So getting back to it then, when, when exactly did you start? How long have you been at it? I started creating content in March of 2018. So it was more just like a project at the start and um, just to see how things would go, what the reaction would be and on how, how we could build it. So um, kind of from there, then I actually moved to the States for a while. I was living over there trying to do it, trying to work full time over there um, and, and keep things ticking along. But then my plan when I moved home was to to do it full time and to really give it the opportunity that it deserved. Uh, so the start of 2020, to be honest, was when we really kind of put the like a significant amount of time and effort into it, and was when we saw the change. And um, so yeah, I mean the last you know it's nearly coming up on two years now. Like the last two years have have been significant. There's been huge change, and um, like the audience has 
like at the start of 2020 our whole social audience was less than 5,000 followers and now we're nearly six like over 60,000. Yeah it's really interesting in my preparation for this podcast I was listening to you on another podcast and you were talking about the phenomenal growth that you'd had. Now I didn't catch the date of the podcast but you mentioned that you just hit seven and a half thousand followers on Instagram and it made me pause and chuckle to myself because I think I checked there <laughs> earlier today and you're north of 30,000 followers on Instagram yeah. and that's just one of your challenges. So uh, you're yeah. obviously your growth has continued to be phenomenal. Uh, you said you went full time in 2020. Do you think that's what, um, what, what, what you can attribute your, your, your rapid growth to? Yeah. But I guess that also coincided with COVID. So, you know, there's positives from going full time. COVID, did that present challenges or did it actually present more opportunities to you? How did that pan out for you? Um, to be honest, I'd say it, w- it was both like, look, there was always the want for it there. And it was just about building the brand awareness. And like people, as soon as they found out about us, like engaged and people have always been really positive about it. Um, and it was just really about putting that time and effort into like consistent content and building the brand image and, um, you know, more content with athletes and that type of thing. So once the, once that those kind of building blocks were there, like it was always going to grow. And then, you know, we had kind of benchmarked, um, you know, after the Olympics and Paralympics uh, in 2020, that was kind of a marker for sitting down and reevaluating if it was something that we were going to do full time. So basically, um, myself and my co-founder, we um, stood back from full time work. Um, you know, we know in terms of the opportunities that are out there for us in full time work. So it had to be something obviously that was worth it for us and seemed like it had a future. And um, so that was kind of our marker at that point. And then um, obviously everything kind of changed and COVID came like around the corner very, very quickly. Uh, So to be honest, it presented opportunities for us because there was huge access to athletes, you know, people that would have been, um, you know, training, competing a lot and, you know, watching the amount of media that they do. Some athletes be on media bands, like suddenly we're at home like everybody else, like obviously trying to continue training. Um, But, you know, everybody then came used to the world of Zoom and like talking on online and that actually like that was a a huge change for us as well because you know we had gone from you know just written content predominantly to now we were doing video content so easily and then accessing athletes that were all around the country but also all around the world so yeah it we I think adapted very well um we did a lot of Instagram takeovers which which they were really significant in growing the channel as well and because we were able to link in I guess with other people's audiences and communities and you know, build the awareness around what we were doing. And um, so, yeah, it was different. Obviously, there was no live sport. Um, you know, that posed a challenge for everybody. But I think in terms of like that community base, um, we we made the most of it. Um, I think we still probably would have had similar growth because of the year that was in it and we had expected the Olympics and we were always going to put huge amount of coverage on it. Um, and we had big plans for Tokyo at that point, um, you know, around the Olympic and Paralympic Games. But um, you know, then obviously we had that a year later, which gave us further opportunity uh, to kind of grow again. So I don't know, maybe we're kind of twice as as lucky, I suppose, in that situation that we were able to use both events um, you know, and make the most of it. Yeah, well, it certainly doesn't seem to have done you any harm. Your recent mm-hmm. growth has been pretty phenomenal. Uh, you mentioned some of the facts and figures there. Maybe we might revisit those. What are the standout yeah. numbers for you when it comes to the discussion around female participation and sport uh, and the coverage that females get in sports? Yeah, it's funny. Like for me, some of the statistics, like I almost need to see them written down again sometimes or like you, you actually have to slowly read them because I've just become so so used to them. But they can be quite shocking for people when you hear them the first time. Um, so I guess one that's significant is, is the amount of media coverage. So it's a global problem. Um, you know, 4% of the sports media coverage around the world goes to women in sport. And in, uh, in Ireland, we've managed to raise that to 6%, but it's really, it's, it's just still like, it's horrendous. Um, so that's like, 4%, which is pretty abysmal for every 100 news stories that are out there. Only four of them are going yeah, to be about women. Yeah. And, and in Ireland, we've managed to raise to, to six, but like in terms of the participants in sport. Um, in Ireland, it's forty point eight percent. So it's not it's not even near the amount of people that we have participating. And then, like we've had significant results. Um, you know, with female athletes, they like there's been fantastic games with women's teams and everything. And and they just they just don't get the coverage. So that's one that we find uh, you know really important and why we try to to do as much as possible. Um, we cover as many different sports as as we can. Uh, trying to give kind of a you know complete vision of of what sport is. You know, obviously there's the 
most popular sports out there and, and look lots of media outlets do cover like focus on maybe five or six different sports and then if there's success in some of the minority sports they'll give it a little bit of coverage but we try to give as much as we possibly can um and, and we did that a lot with our instagram takeovers like we had athletes from um a huge range of sports you know from like luge to and you know anything <laughs> that, that's going um, and i think that also like that's something that our community really likes because they like to see the um the variety of sports as well because like that can be something that can put people off like if they don't fall into some of these like main sports whether it's like you know rugby or football or running like not that's not for everybody and if you can demonstrate to the sports that are out there um you know that's and encourage people to stay in sport that's good too um i guess other numbers like that one that twice as many girls drop out of sport uh, by the age of 14 as boys like that's pretty significant as well and there's actually another statistics which i don't know off the top of my head but i think it's it's something around like um 50% of girls drop out of sport by the age of 20. Uh, I, I think it's 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 something along those lines which which is huge like to, to think that you know there's like so few kind of participating but um or, or leaving um leaving sport but um, I'm speculating here now, but I assume there's probably two drop-offs or two cliffs in participation in female sport. There's probably one around about the transition from primary to secondary school. And then for the girls who do play on through secondary school, as they hit their later teen years, they probably another yeah. drop-off again. I think throughout secondary school, there's like lots of different drop-off points because like you said, coming into first year, then you have junior cert, then you have coming into fifth and sixth year and leaving cert and then starting college. So um, there's a, like a lot of opportunity to drop off um when you're in secondary school and look it's not just for girls like boys do it as well but it just it's it there's a bit of a difference there in terms of the volume of girls that are dropping out so it's just about trying to encourage them um and understand like why are the reasons that they are that they are leaving sport but i guess another more positive um statistic is that it's been projected that um the women's sports industry will be valued at uh, over a billion euro or a billion dollars by 2030 so there is huge opportunity in the space and you know, we're obviously working hard to build our brand and do what we're doing and make a, a change, like a cultural shift is, is something that we're trying to do. But, um, you know, we are talking to different brands that are also interested in the space. And um, look, you will meet people that say they're interested in the space, but are they really? But there are people that are actually like investing in it and can see the opportunity in it. Um, you know, Little it appears to be the poster child uh, for, for the story in Ireland. And they've certainly, um, you know, done a really good job, you know, with the LGFA and you know, bringing more people to um, watching the games and everything. And um, I think they're making a, a difference there. But they've also, they also identified an opportunity. You know, they're not in it um, from a chari- charity perspective. Like it has, to, it, it's twofold. They're in it, you know, uh, to also, you know, benefit from it and connect with an audience. And it's something that's really working for them. So there's a few people trying to follow suit, but hopefully we'll see, see some more as well. Yeah, yeah, I think the work that Little has done uh, has been very valuable. There's obviously both sides to it. Little want to, to mm-hmm. turn a profit uh, and give something back at the same time, but it seems to work have worked. And if other businesses see that it's working uh, for Little, well, maybe they might consider the fact that it'll work for them and it'll generate some momentum, which would be great. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend of mine in, in preparation for this. She's a mother of four young girls, and she was saying anecdotally that she notices a kind of drop off in in um, confidence uh, when it comes to sporting ability mm-hmm. in, in in her girls and some of their friends uh, around around the second half of primary school, uh, the girls just seem to lose confidence, whereas the boys don't. Uh, if the school mm-hmm. announced that they're going to try a new sport or introduce a new activity the following week, the, the girls' default position is usually, oh, I'll be terrible at that, mm-hmm. whereas the boys' default position is, well, I'm going to be brilliant at that. Mm-hmm. It got me thinking, is, is this something to do with role models, perhaps? Uh, like, I know obviously boys and girls can have common role models, like that young girl who ran out onto the pitch at the Aviva last night to meet Ronaldo and get his jersey. But if there was more visibility of more high profile female role models for our young girls, do you think that would make a difference? Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Like, I'm... You know, we're trying to highlight as many as, as as possible. And like sometimes you hear people say, like, oh, there aren't any female role models. And it's like, no, there there are. Like you just have to, you know, share the stories and give them the media coverage and, and that kind of platform. You know, there can be role models at your local club as well. Like it doesn't have to be um, you know, front page of whatever magazine. I mean, that helps. Um, but 
yeah, it, it is about, you know, giving people the credit that they deserve and um, and highlighting them to younger people to show that there are opportunities in sport and um, also to share their stories so that people can relate. Like, um, while obviously some athletes seem superhuman, like at the same time, like they are all normal and they do go through, you know, similar experiences. So just if somebody hasn't had success um, or maybe maybe like a lot of people plateau in different sports um, in their kind of teenage years and then they might have a significant improvement again. And it's very kind of maybe sharing some of those stories so that people can feel like, oh, okay, well, they got through it and they have achieved this. So maybe I can too. Um, but yeah, it is about making people accessible and, and sharing their stories. And what I think is actually really great is a lot of, um, you know, of the top Irish uh, female athletes, they're really uh, interested in giving back and, and talking to like fans, like um, in particular, like the, the national soccer team, like they, would always come over and talk to the fans after and they, and they seem to give a lot of time back to the fans which is really nice to see and um there's just not so much ego or anything in there as well like they're just very genuine um in terms of the confidence piece I um, I think Dove actually had done a study on the confidence in young girls um in Ireland I think pretty sure it was Dove and it's through the floor at the moment like young girls in Ireland don't have any confidence um and it, it does kind of start around that age like people are kind of wondering like what is it that changes and and it's it's kind of difficult to put a finger on it um as to why exactly it is but like yeah people like <sighs> girls at whatever age should should not fear like getting stuck in and giving something a go like they should have the like feel that they can do but like to think of at eight nine ten that it's already starting then like you can understand you know why people might start to reconsider different things later in life and you know but but at such a young age, it's just really disappointing to feel that they can't, they don't feel like they can just get stuck in. Um, but some of the other things is like, it does come down to societal conditioning and, and the way that we treat, you know, girls and women and boys and men. And like I've talked to people before, uh, somebody had done a, a study in terms of how we interact with babies um, as soon as they're born. And, you know, they had done a study on interacting with a boy and interacting with a girl and even the language that's used like it's oh you know what a lovely girl you are and what a lovely you know or what a big strong boy you are and from the time that a child is born and and that does travel all the way up but then think about like school and you know from from like a personal perspective like um I went to an all-girls school and my brother went to an all-boys school and he always came home having played football covered in muck all this kind of thing like we weren't even allowed to run so like we didn't have balls to play with balls. And then you're wondering like, where, like, why is the level, um, you know, in, you know, where's the level in, in, in some sports and why aren't girls as, you know, comfortable and confident with, you know, different ball sports? Well, because we weren't given a ball when we were three or four or five years old or in, in some place like school, you weren't given the opportunity to play because you weren't allowed, like we were allowed to skip and play with skipping ropes. And I, I mean, skipping as in not running, but then also skipping ropes and hopscotch and that type of thing. And, you know, even when we went to secondary school, like um, they had a, a road race, they had a 5K road race and everybody had to participate. Um, the only people that wouldn't have participated were if you're on crutches or you had a broken arm or whatever. Like that's the only, like my brother wouldn't have particularly liked running, but the only year he didn't do it was he had a broken collarbone or something. Um, and we had a fun walk. And it's just like, there is, there is space for competitiveness and there is space for sport. And, you know, it that that it just it just starts so young and you can see it the whole way up and you know I've talked to different people that are in different schools and mixed schools and you know the boys still would play football and the girls would have sat around and chatted and it's about trying to break down some of those barriers that actually girls feel like they either can participate and play football with the boys um you know obviously they don't have to but um like I would have been there's where some of the skills are developed like I've been quite happy to probably play different sports um you know in primary school but you, you're not like you weren't allowed like um so yeah yeah it's something that I'm acutely aware of I have two young boys uh who are soccer mad and mm -hmm. last weekend down at the soccer club there was a strikers course on for the for the eldest guy now down at the soccer club the majority of the players are boys but they do have a number of uh, underage girls teams as well which is great and some mm -hmm. of the sessions during the day were mixed uh, there was girls and boys mm -hmm. participating in the strikers course and my son Daniel was yeah. down there and he was pointing out the good players and he was equally pointing out the girls as well as the boys mm -hmm. for their skills you know he saw them as equals and I'm really don't like mm -hmm. the idea that that might change over the next few years there's massive opportunity for like developing skills when you have like mixed training and stuff and like 
you know, if there are drop-offs in, in some sports, um, you know, there's, there's lots of people that have benefited, like, like girls that have benefited from growing up playing with boys and training with boys. And like, I know lots of, lots of, um, you know, girls in soccer, when they get a little bit older, still try to play and train with, um, you know, some guys that are in their club and, and they really do benefit from it. And, you know, it's about, it's going to take a bit of time to kind of keep, um, to get it to the same level, you know, um, but there's like this huge opportunity for mixed training and um, getting that, that skill set. But like, you know, if if you're introduced to a ball sport at like 12 or 13, like you you don't have the same skills as somebody that's pick, been picking up a ball since they were three or four, you know. Um, and it's it's just about trying to kind of get people to reconsider like how they're interacting with, you know, girls and boys, um, how they're kind of raising them, how schools are treating them um and then yeah then obviously it, it goes into the clubs like you have to make sure that you're trying to give the same opportunity to to girls and boys men and women um like the stories that we kind of hear can be quite disappointing sometimes in terms of like pitch access or jerseys and like I've heard different things from schools as well um that you wouldn't believe some of the stories it's just really disappointing to think that they're not being treated the same yeah, so that's actually one of the questions I wanted to ask you today. I do feel like there's change, things are different. Uh, it's definitely something that resonated mm-hmm. with me. Um, I read an article in The Independent uh, where you were interviewed by Nicola Anderson and she points out that we are in an apparent uh, golden era for women's sport in Ireland. She pointed to the mm-hmm. recent success from Tokyo 2020 with the likes of Kelly Harrington, the women's four in rowing, Ellen Keane and Nicole Turner, Katie George Dunleavy, Eve McChrystal, mm-hmm. all winning medals. There was the little campaign that you mentioned, uh, equal pay for the soccer internationals. And then there's, there's loads of other good news stories from golf with Leona Maguire and uh, in track cycling, the Irish women's uh, athletes are doing fantastic as well. This is all really good progress, but it is juxtaposed against reports of awful treatment uh, of other female athletes, uh, like the story about the Connacht women's rugby team. Now, I don't want to dwell too much on the negative stories but you know you say that you do come across them so what's your take on this do you think the tide is actually turning for women's sports um I think things are changing uh it's not as quickly as people think it is um in terms of the results that we've had this year like look we've had results before you know um and can't forget Katie in 2012 yeah look we we look and, and Katie Taylor is obviously like one of the most you know, highly respected athletes in the country. And it's, you know, it's, it's great to have that type of role model. And, and a lot of people don't, they don't see her gender anymore. You know, they just see her as a great boxer, which is, which is important. And that's where you want a lot of people to get to, but like as an athlete, like she's just outstanding, you know, um, it, 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 it takes so much for that kind of recognition and it, it shouldn't have to be as, much as she has achieved like she was a, a turning point for female boxing and like she got boxing like female boxing into the olympics like um and and to have to have done something like that like to be to get such respect you know it, it's those opportunities aren't always going to rise for um you know other female athletes and they should still be getting you know the credit that they uh, that they deserve but in terms of the results like we've had fantastic results this year absolutely and but we've had the results before and it's just about trying to make sure that like while there is some like excitement and stuff going on and look it's an olympic and paralympic year so we're going to get um you know more excitement around particular athletes but um about trying to keep the momentum and, and ensuring that we don't just like drop off and forget about them for um you know a while and you know that the likes of the LGFA that we keep seeing that increase in in, in um you know wanting to attend the games and you know we've seen the same in Camogie and the same in rugby and, and football you know um like build the buzz like the the amount of people that want to go and see the men's football team playing like let's try and build that and and you know get as many people to see the women's team playing as well like the games are just as good you know um well, you know, you might have the opportunity to watch uh, Ronaldo, which obviously lots of people do idolize. Like it, it, there's some fantastic football and, and that needs to come from the clubs as well. That it's, you're not just saying like, oh, let's try and bring the team to see, you know, the men play. Like, no, let's try Like, let's try and try and bring junior teams to go and see the women play as well. Because, um, you, you know, they're, they're a, a strong outfit at the moment. Like they have a real chance of qualifying um, for the World Cup. So um, why not be part of that and, and see it happen? But um, yeah, there are roadblocks as well, you know, there's things that you might read from 15, 20 years ago and it doesn't really feel like it's that much different. Um, you know, the rugby is getting a bit of a hard time at the moment. 
and there's a lot of kind of roadblocks up and um you know there's professionalization going on you know last year for the six nations england were professional france semi-professional now i think we're looking at wales and scotland um are professional and semi-professional in ireland are being left behind and there's conversation about that at the moment um and like to be honest there's uproar um around some of the comments that were that were made from um you know the the person in charge of the of the women's development um now they have a game yeah and after those comments were made i think some of the players were very courageous in the way that they spoke out to generate a bit of conversation and raise mm-hmm. awareness about it uh, it takes bravery like because they are putting their neck on the line by speaking mm-hmm. out like that absolutely and that's part of the problem you know in terms of trying to make it in terms of trying to make a change like some of the female athletes like if you're on a team you're afraid to speak up sometimes because you're afraid of being cut because they can't turn and be like no we're not playing you and like what kind of reasons like what can you do about it really you know um and that's the same on on the male side like you know we want male athletes to speak up and to support and everything but they're also afraid to put their neck out too so like you are sometimes relying on people that are retired um you know there have been a few people that have you know started to speak about it you know there are a number of rugby players that are so you have heard you know Paul O'Connell talk about it Brian O'Driscoll talk about it like it is starting to become a bit more like the current male athlete that has spoken about it is Shane Lowry you know, to have somebody that's actually currently playing it and, and say something is significant because sometimes people are waiting until, you know, it doesn't really impact their playing anymore. And look, it's, you can, you can see how it happens because look, any athlete is, is selfish. Like they're, they're doing whatever they're doing and they might not see what's going on. And then you have, uh, you know, this, you know, people that are having daughters now that they're starting to realize some of it. And some people are like, okay, well, you know, we've been here the whole time. But it is, if they have, you know, the voice and to start helping to use that platform like that, it, it is helpful. But we'd like to see it, I think, more at a current level as well and, and to be pushing forward to make a change. But look, things are gradually getting there. It, it is, like I've been asked a couple of times before, like where, you know, how how much of a difference is it really making and stuff? And you know are we um are we truly getting there and I think it's it's we can't kid ourselves either you know we still have quite a long way to go um like if you think about even the rugby for example we're comparing to what's happening in other countries but if you look at what's happening with the men and the women it's so different like a, a small portion of budget put behind them would make a massive change and they're not looking to you know be paid a fortune they're just like even semi-professional would, would help and like, don't be shocked if we're hammered when it comes to the Six Nations. Do you know what I mean? Because these people are working full time and trying to train full time on top of it, you know. Um, we're lucky, I guess, when people are in college because it's a little bit more manageable sometimes. Um, but uh, people that kind of then flick in and out of, of some of the sports and think, oh, maybe I'll sit down and watch the likes of the Six Nations. And then they might be put off because, you know, if we do go up against England, should they have been professional for a couple of years now? Um you have to also understand the kind of landscape and, and lots of people don't know those types of things. So, um, look, some really, really good results and, you know, Ireland are playing the USA tonight, so hopefully they'll have a, a good result. And, um, I think the team are, you know, doing pretty well. They just need a bit of backing and I think there's more potential, but, you know, hopefully we'll see a change. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that now. I, I think that I'm pretty clued into this in general and maybe a little bit more so since I confirmed that I was going to be speaking to you on the show. So this could be a bit of a frequency <laughs> illusion for me, a bit of a, a bad or mine off phenomenon. But uh, I do notice every morning when I get up, I put on the radio, listen to today FM and every day on the ra- on the news bulletin, on the sports news, they do mention some women's sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, even this morning as well, before the news was on, there was an ad for Sky Sports advertising that they were going to be covering the Women's Super League uh, over the weekend. Uh, and I think this is positive. So there's obviously a mm-hmm. strategy in place at Today FM saying that we are going to mention or we are going to uh, have some women's sport uh, on the news bulletin every day, yeah. which is great. But I'm kind of conflicted because sometimes it honestly feels like it's just a bit of an addendum that's added on to the news bulletin. They'll go through the men's sport, like the soccer that was on last mm-hmm. night and the rugby that's coming up uh, at the weekend. And then they'll go on about the golf, mm-hmm. maybe the PGA. And then at the very end, they'll say, oh, and Leona Maguire is also playing in the women's PGA uh, at the end. So it, it, I'm conflicted. It feels like it's tacked on to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I don't know. What's what's your take on this? I, does it depend if it's a slow news day? Uh, do women's sport get more coverage? It do, Yeah. Yeah, but it also depends on the organization. Like, look, some some organizations have been making an effort and 
it's great like it is and we need that and like I'd love for her sport not to be required um you know people ask like oh what's kind of the vision like I'd love that you know we don't need to be a female only uh outlet for sport and that other outlets are are covering women's sport as as they should be um I'm not worried about it from a business perspective it's not going to affect me in the next five or ten years because things aren't changing quickly enough you know um but look there are people making making efforts but yeah like I said um I think it was I don't know what news channel I was watching a couple of weeks ago and there was the, the the newsreader didn't even get the story out properly like it was something very easy to read and they just it, they just clearly weren't aware of what was going on and they were just reading it and they made something like it was a, a short enough piece about a, a female team or athlete and they kind of stumbled across it and then they went into something next that was kind of just as significant or less significant and they were talking about it for ages and you're like look like identify the successes and, and like go with it you know um Look, obviously, like when Ellen Keane, you know, became Paralympic champion, she got loads of coverage and, and it's brilliant. Like it's, it is really good that she gets that, you know, recognition. And there was a bit of hype about Leona. And like, look, I've, I I don't know how I have like remembered Leona. I don't know. She's kind of around my age. Um, but I, you know, do you remember them coming onto the scene when they were 13, 14? And, you know, maybe people tune into it a bit, but a lot of it is about Leona in golf where there are actually other significant um, Irish golfers, like female golfers too. Um and hopefully, like, like, she made some impact in the Solheim Cup. And, you know, she's actually playing really well at the moment as well. But, like, are people paying attention to it, you know? Are they starting to follow her in the same way that they would McElroy or Shane Lowry or whoever, you know? Um, yeah, there's a couple of athletes that, um, you know, people start to be aware of. And hopefully it just increases, you know. There's, I, I, I've spoken to Kira McGean about it before. And, like, she is kind of aware sometimes that, you know, they different organizations might come to Kira for a story and that she can sometimes be used as, you know, one of the female athletes that they speak to. And, you know, she tries to pass them on sometimes and say, actually, like this person would be in a better position to speak about this topic. You know, um, I don't know, people, people like her, so they, they come back to her. Um, but she's also conscious, like she, there shouldn't be five or six or seven female athletes that are the poster people for female sport. Like there's so many out there and, you know, there's room for it as well and like one of the things that we've even kind of identified like people that are sports fans like are they truly sports fans or are they just you know male sports fans and if they actually buy into it you're you're getting twice as much sport so if you really like sport like there's a lot of opportunity to tune into loads of different games and and that type but um yeah a lot of it's been given an opportunity like a lot of people that did say watch the um you know the women's football like while well, they're playing for the world cup qualifiers there and on six nations last year a lot of people like geez they were really good matches and they want to watch them again so some of it it's just about giving it a chance you know okay so leading on from that like i think i there has been a big push and a noticeable increase in the number of female presenters and pundits uh, on sports shows recently mm -hmm. so I think that's an opportunity for uh, for ex-players to stay involved uh, and players who were role models to continue yeah. to be front and centre how much of an impact do you think this is having um I have mixed feelings on it to be honest um I think it's great to put people uh up there I think um there's a couple of really good people that are kind of coming to the fore and they're, they're really getting into the swing of it I think there's some great opinions um I absolutely think that pundits, male or female, should be doing both sports, uh, you know, both genders, whatever sport they're, they're commentating on or giving punditry on, like they should be involved in both so that you do have, uh, you know, women pundits, uh, you know, for male matches or vice versa. Um, and I think that will help bridge the gap as well. Like if you had, um, you know, like we're talking about the fact, like, look, the reality of it is a lot of the male athletes in team sports in our national team sports are more recognized and, and in um GA and hurling as well they're more recognized than their female counterparts and that's just the reality of at the moment so if you could actually have some of them either commentating or or uh, being pundits on female games and, and start to use that to then build a profile people will see them as role models and see that they're actually you know interested in the women's game supporting the women's game and um that can help to change things too um, while also then getting people used to seeing the the female pundits and, and former female athletes and stuff involved in, on the men's on the men's side as well. Um, the only reservation I would have around the female punditry side of things is 
throwing people in the deep end and not giving them the support. Because you have to also consider, depending on the sport, a lot of the male athletes have media training, have been in the spotlight and have had that kind of support throughout their careers. And it's less so on the women's side. And they also are going to get more criticism than their male counterparts because you're putting somebody new in, you may not know them and you don't need them to be slated because they make either a small mistake or, you know, they're just a little bit more nervous, you know, because they haven't done it as much. Because if you think about it, like, you know, how many interviews did Brian O'Driscoll have to give, you know, while he was playing, you know? And then look at the, you know, the female equivalent, completely different. So you have to help them, like give them media training, give them the support and um, make sure that they're prepared for it. So that when they go up and do it, you haven't got the, you know, people that are looking for them to fail. You're not giving them kind of ammunition. You're like making sure that the athletes, and, and also like, you don't want to, like ruin their confidence when they go out on day one or day two you have to prepare them so that would be my thing about it there like I think there's a lot of opportunity a lot of potential and some people that are doing a great job but I've seen a little bit of nervousness myself and I don't think the onus is on them I think it's on the people that they're working with and the people that are trying to put them in to make this change and um you know not just to kind of land them in it, give them a bit of support and give them a bit of help. Absolutely. Like it, it's a really difficult position to be in, to go on national television and to have an opinion mm-hmm. and maybe to know that no matter what that opinion is, there's going to be someone online yeah. that's going to disagree with you. And some people are looking for, they're looking to disagree with female pundits, regardless of what they say. Um, and, and like they would say that, um, you know, they almost need to be over-prepared and like there's, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, the lady on Sky Sports. Um, but she, some people say she's an excellent pundit. She knows so much. And then you might have, um, you know, male pundits that, you know, aren't as, having as much homework done and aren't given as val- valid opinions and are kind of saying the same thing week in, week out. And they might be kind of, you know, higher regarded. And, and you have, you'll see that debate, those types of debates on Twitter. Um, but, yeah, there will be people looking to undermine. And look, there are some people that are open-minded to uh, women in sport and obviously lots of people that do see um, that, you know, female athletes deserve the opportunities, but you also have a cohort of people that don't believe it. Um, so it's it's those people that you want to protect um, the people that you're trying to give opportunities. So like those those pundits, like you're trying to protect them and, and give them um, kind of like armour, like making sure they're as bulletproof as possible Um and, and can I, I also be prepared for it um, if, if there is negativity that you just kind of let it roll off your back as well and just keep pushing forward. But it is shifting and the more experience that they get, the better that they'll be. And um, there are some really, really good people, I think, that are starting to um, shine through. Yeah, you've just reminded me of something that I haven't thought about for a long time there. When we were preparing to go over to London 2012, we had a couple of training camps down in UL. And on one of the training camps at the weekend, when the athletes were coming back from training for lunch, uh, Paralympics Ireland had set up mm-hmm. a mixed zone, a fake mixed zone uh, in the hotel lobby. So when the athletes came in from training, they had to pass by the uh, the journalists that were there and the journalists stopped them and asked questions like they would in real life after an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was kind of a, a baptism of fire for the athletes. They weren't expecting it and they were thrown in at the deep end. Mm-hmm. Now, after lunch, it was followed up with some proper training. So uh, the journalists were there and they were saying, look, these are the type of questions we're going to ask. These, This is the type of information that we want. And it prepared the athletes they'd been through it they prepared prepared them for mm-hmm. what lay ahead and I think it really served them well going forward the commentary on the, the on the, the commentary and on the punditry um uh, of the Paralympics this year I thought was really good as well um I thought everybody that was involved was uh, was was quite good and um and it, it, it there was like an, a lot of a lot of females involved and I, I think they did it did a very good job um, so hopefully we'll see it more uh, throughout different sports as well. Yeah, you know, throughout my own career, I feel like I've been very fortunate. I feel like I've been surrounded by really high quality female role models uh, from back when I first went to university. Uh, most of the senior lecturers and the academics in the, in the department were female. When I came back to Ireland mm-hmm. and now working in WIT, I have so many of my colleagues I admire and look up to are, are female. Uh, and in high performance sport in Ireland, uh, again, behind the scenes, I feel there are a lot of really high quality females doing amazing work. I, I think if 
I look back at the guest list on, on the podcast over the last uh, season and a half, the majority of the guests are probably female. So there's a lot of big things that need to change. And I think we've hinted at a lot of these throughout this conversation, funding, education, policies, you know, mm-hmm. visibility of role models for, for females. Uh, a lot of that has to trickle down for the top. And also, it's fair to say that a lot of that is outside of our immediate control. So what about the people who are listening here today? Is there anything that they can do that can have an impact? Um, even simple things like I, I was thinking, you know, following a, a female athlete on social media, commenting, interacting with them there. Does that help to raise their profile and get sponsors on board? Yeah, like I guess there's a like a couple of different things. Like from like the first thing is being open minded about it. Like go and watch a game, or you know whether if it's on the television, watch it, or like you can find different streams. But I mean, the tickets to the rugby match and the um, the football games that are coming up over the next few weeks, like they're not expensive. So go down and see what it's like. And like the atmosphere um, for Ireland versus Sweden a couple of weeks ago was great. Like so. Um, you know, just give it a chance. Like that's part of it. And and I think like it's interesting because in, in sports, I think like swimming and athletics and um I guess some of the we'll call them kind of the Olympic sports, um there can be more buy-in, I guess, because there's just a couple of athletes like maybe competing at elite level in those sports. So people, if they're really into that sport, will probably follow the men and the women. Um, but it, it is some of the team sports that you kind of see a bit of a difference. So, um, yeah, just give it a chance and, and, and see what you make of it. Um, from an engagement perspective then as well, like, yeah, tune into the athletes. Like part of it of what people love about sport is knowing the personalities. So go and find out more about them. And like, look, we've loads of interviews. So have a look at it and, and see and, you know, get to know someone, like follow their career. Like think of some of the stars and, you know what they're achieving now like where are they going to be in the next three four or five years and uh, follow the teams like people bought into the into the hockey team so um you know keep following them on their journey and you know we followed lots of teams through um you know good times and bad times so just because the team doesn't perform don't don't turn off to them either you know um then you have to look at like what kind of impact can you make in your own life so whether it's like with children or in a club like make sure that people are you know open-minded and, and you're exposing them to both um you know just because they may not it may not be easily accessible maybe in some mainstream media like look out for it find it and um, you know show them the games on television or you know um, show them our, our stories or you know we, we're gonna have we've obviously launched our, our first magazine there a couple of weeks ago like we're gonna have a, a magazine regularly enough so if that makes a difference by showing you know young boys and girls like like do that um, in clubs, um, I think clubs need to be honest with themselves. Um, people on committees, coaches, like, are you giving the same opportunity to girls as you are to boys? And you have to be blunt about it. Um, you can tell yourself that you are, and people can convince themselves. But like, there's different things that I hear or I've seen go on different clubs and, and clubs that believe that they are treating men and women the same, and they're not. Um, understand like from a female perspective like if you have athletes that are leaving why not just ask them why you know it's really not that difficult um you know in terms of some of the topics like do you need to help them in terms of nutrition in terms of menstrual cycle like something that I would find is boys and men seem to not get it they just seem a little less overwhelmed by some of the nutrition aspects and I wonder, is some of that down to understanding menstrual, menstrual cycle and stuff as well? But I think there's so much information out there in terms of nutrition sometimes that I have I have found anyway on a kind of, you know, from different people that I've spoken to that women can find it quite overwhelming, the amount of information that's out there. And, and I just find, I don't know, maybe men just read three sources and they pick one and they go for it, where women might be reading like 30 sources and then just finding some of the information conflicts. I'm not sure which it is, but, um, you know, try and support with that kind of knowledge um, if it is on periods of menstrual cycle, make sure that they, you know, if they're 12, 13, 14, that they feel like they know how to continue playing the sport and um, that they're not self-conscious about it. They can't talk about it. And that's like just a, from a managing it and, and training, competing perspective. Um, but also understanding if they don't feel okay all the time, that that's, all, that that's quite fine too. And um, yeah, just having those conversations like open. Um, and then, yeah, like, how like how are you treating them how are they being coached what access to equipment or pitches do they have kit all that type of thing like 
try and make sure that it is actually um it is actually equal because there's lots of instances where it's not um but yeah, there are a couple of suggestions i guess Oh, well, I think there's more than a couple of useful tips there. You've given us plenty of really practical tips for, for general mm-hmm. advocacy there. And it got me thinking, I'm just wondering on the top of my head here, like, are there different things that males and females should be doing? Like, obviously, females need to be advocates for, for, for other females Absolutely. in sport, but... And, and males need to do that too, but perhaps males need to, mm-hmm. you know, be a bit more prepared to take a stance, Shut it down. Uh, you know, to realise that the experiences that they have in sport are maybe not necessarily the same as mm-hmm. the experiences that the females have in sport. So they need to be, uh, you know, they need to call things out if they see it. Um, you know, some of our, our students might be going on to work in clubs in or work in sport in some capacity. So they need to be mm-hmm. mindful of equality and open minded uh, to what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And look, it is like that's something that we would see, you know, we started off for like women in sport, but now we just kind of realize we're like a piece of the bigger puzzle, you know, um, in terms of like while we're trying to make a change for women in sport, like it is actually an overall change that we're making. And like sport is can be so significant for people in their lives. Like obviously there's, you know, playing sport and winning games and competing and competing at an, at an elite level. But there's also um, the skills like teamwork, the friendships. Uh, communication like there's so many different things that you can get from sport and so much like that it teaches you like discipline time management um I think it's something like 94% of um executives female executives participated in sport and a lot of them attribute their um participation in, in sport to their success in their careers as well so there's a lot to be gained from sport not just either competing at, at an elite level or winning all the time um so it, it is it is something that, you know, can help in the in terms of the bigger picture as well um, in bringing confidence to women and um, helping them further their careers and stuff. But yeah, I don't know. We're just doing one piece of the puzzle at the moment, but obviously trying to you know, like look, the equal equal pay day was two days ago or something, you know, in terms of the gender pay gap that's there. And, you know, there's still quite a long way to go um, just in society and, and trying to treat men and women a, a bit more equally. Um, there's lots of different things that people don't necessarily even notice and, and just take for granted, you know, um, that sometimes you do need to challenge them and push the boundaries. And yeah, if you see it happen in your own club, like do speak up whether you're, uh, you know, man or a woman, or if, 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 a, if a girl or, or a woman is saying something to you and they feel um, like they're not being treated fairly or something is not fair, don't just dismiss it. Like try and actually understand and be like, you know, Look, people are always going to have qualms, male or female. Like, you know, you will always have some different issues that you might be able to not think about. But if it's something that actually you can solve easily, like, do take them seriously, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You mentioned the magazine. Uh, congratulations on that. It's a fantastic achievement to get mm-hmm. uh, that Thanks. to print. Uh, what about the future? What, are, what plans have you got for hersport.ie going forward? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, we're talking about a lot at the moment. There's loads of different things kind of on the agenda. But um, yes, yeah, so the magazine will be regular uh, quarterly or maybe bi-monthly. Um, just continue to raise the profile of what we're doing um, on the site. Um, our audience is, is continuing to build. So just like keep building on that momentum. Um, we have a couple of podcasts and we want to kind of keep building on that. Um, yeah, maybe look at international expansion at some point and see what we could do outside of Ireland and um, it's as we said it, it is a global problem and it is about breaking down some of those barriers and that but yeah I want like I want to make a difference in the schools and universities and stuff as well and um, you know while while obviously like a, a lot of what we cover is kind of the top end of sport and um, like that's obviously trying to highlight what they're doing and give people role models and stuff but it's about getting into the schools and and um, universities as well and you know, with the schools in particular, like preparing, you know, younger people for maybe in experiencing some of these things. And, and if you can break down, like, you know, if somebody makes it to 18, 19, 20, 21, like they've kind of gone through a lot of their teenage years and they're probably, they're more likely to stick at sport at that point, but you will have a lot of people very nervous about managing their period or even like, like we have had a conversation about like shaving and that type of thing. And how self-conscious girls and women can be and like like shaving is a something that's been put in in place by society like years ago um which is really actually kind of like a like a money-making racket like you know who turned around and decided that women have to shave and men don't 
Um, so if people are self-conscious about, you know, not shaving their legs or under their arms, all that kind of stuff, like those kind of barriers should be broken down. People want to do it fine, but just because they, you know, their legs aren't hairless when they're training, like it's, there's simple things um, that society has conditioned us to think in a certain way. But if we can um, instill a bit of confidence and it is, it's kind of that, you know, 12 to 17, 18 age group. And I think once it kind of threw it the other side, some of those things become a little bit less concerning for somebody or they're a little less worried about it. Um, but yeah, it's it's about trying to open those conversations on a younger age group and then see how many more people you can keep involved in sport. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like for the for the women who do stay involved in sport that perhaps there's always constant challenges like uh, maybe return to sport mm-hmm. or return to play after pregnancy is something that we haven't even mentioned or discussed uh, that can also affect women. But I do feel that maybe it's just hopeful on my, being, being hopeful on my mm-hmm. behalf, but I do feel like there is change. There's definitely more awareness and things seem to be managed better uh, and there's more support uh, available yeah for sure Neve, this has been really really fascinating yet again another mm-hmm. guest that I feel like I could just keep talking to for ages mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately we have to call it a day at some stage <laughs> so I would just like to say thank you so much for your time I really do appreciate you speaking to me today uh, and I also wish you all the best for the future with hersport.ie I certainly looking forward I, I'm looking forward to watching you continue to grow uh, I think the work that you do is valuable and important and I wish you all the best for the future brilliant thanks so much for having me on enjoyed the conversation that was an enlightening chat with Neve, and I really admire the work that she is doing it was a brave step not only to set up hersport.ie but also to take the plunge in 2020 and go full time at the project I think the platform she has created provides a valuable hub for women's sport in Ireland and will be a driver for positive change here are my take home points from chatting with Neve. With only 6% of Irish media coverage dedicated to women's sport, we need to work harder to improve visibility and ensure there are more opportunities to support women in sport in Ireland. This is going to require advocacy at all levels and plenty of it has to trickle down from the top through education, funding and policy change. On the ground, we can each get involved by supporting more women's sport on TV and in person, following and interacting with athletes online and probably most significantly in our own clubs. Whether you are a teammate, clubmate, coach, committee member, no matter what your role, we each need to pursue equality and call out inequality. You can find Neve's work online by searching for her sport or using the links in the show description. Okay, that's it for today. I'm not going to ask you to share this episode. Instead, I'd like you all to follow her sport online, plus two or three other female athletes. It's only a small gesture, but it's a step in the right direction. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, then you can catch me on Instagram at B underscore Wardrop. I welcome any suggestions, feedback or questions that you might have. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you in the next episode.